2: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this festive fireside folklore episode of Stories of Scotland where we'll be sharing some traditional Scottish tales all about this time of year. I'm Jenny, and my pockets are full of seaweed. And
0: I'm Annie, and my sandwiches are filled with cockles. And what better way to keep warm in the drizzly days and long dark nights than by curling up next to the fire and telling some truly wonderful tales. Define wonderful. You know, Jenny, the feeling you get when you hear the crackle of tinsel... And the hanging of the Christmas lights, bringing a seasonal sense of wonder and joy and hope for the coming year.
2: Right, right. Best I can do is ghosts.
0: Are they at least winter-appropriate ghosts, you know, with some fairy lights on and a festive hat and a sparkly star on top? Um, no, but my one is wearing a hat, so that's kind of (laughs) close. You did better than me, Jenny, because mine is truly disgusting.
2: (laughs) Well, here we go. This tale is called The Queer Visit of Callum the Skipper, and it comes from an old bar on Mull, where both peat smoke and cigarette smoke clogged the stuffy air. It was Hogmanay night, and there was a wonderful mix of local fishermen and their families, fishermen from nearby islands waiting for the weather to clear, and docked sailors, stopping for a few nights before heading over the Atlantic. The captain of the sailors was an Englishman named James, and he was having a good blether with one of the locals, an old fellow named Big Donald, who was seated perfectly between the bar and the roaring fire, ensuring he stayed warm on both the outside and the inside. My, my, it's just awful weather we're seeing right now. If it carries on this way, our voyage will be delayed by a few days at least. It's a shame you folk don't really celebrate Christmas. We had a very dull day indeed. Ach, this weather ain't half as bad as we've seen in the past. And don't you worry, son. While Christmas for you English folk is a party, it's Hogmanay that's a good time for us. We used to get just one day off, but now we have a whole weekend and football matches and plenty of time for nursing our sore heads. So on that note, why don't we all have another round? The fellows all topped up their drinks and James said, You've just never seen a good Christmas up here. That's what's wrong with you. But Big Donald was adamant that Christmas was not the time for celebrating, but New Year's. Hogmanay is the time for men to enjoy themselves. Behind them is the old year with all its troubles past. In front is the New Year that is always going to be a good one. But James was having none of it and declared, why, at home, all the ghosts come out at Christmas. I bet you've never heard of a New Year's ghost, have you? At this, Big Donald paused and eyed the Englishman warily before his faded blue eyes gazed past the visitor's shoulders to the door of the bar, which was shaken at that very moment by a strong gust of wind. In his silence, all the other conversations died down, and everyone slowly turned their focus to the old man. There may be some of you fine folk here who still remember Callum McNeil, the skipper, who lived on the next aisle over. A low murmur rippled through the bar, and a few of the men said that aye, they remember Callum the skipper. Well then, you'll mind that Callum was awfully fond of a dram, And every Saturday, weather permitting, he'd row over and come in for a drink or two or three with us and then row home. After a time, he got himself an old engine that he salvaged off a washed-up wee boat and he fit it to his own wee boat. So even when the weather was bad, he'd get that old engine going and chug on over here to tell his stories. And, oh, he could sing a good tune to boot. And there was one night that he never missed be it rain, snow, or shine. Hogmanay. Every year he'd row over, tie his wee boat to the steps just below the pier, and he'd wait till twelve with us and bring in the new year, every time, saying, Well, boys, we'll be with you next new year, that's a promise, before he would walk down to his boat and row away home to his own island. But one year, oh, Jamesy boy, you think this weather's bad, you should have seen it. Boats reduced to kindling against the rocks. Big vessels bound for way far south, blown off course and broken up. Heaps of fruit and carpet and all sorts of things washing ashore amongst the sheets of rain and boiling waters. And it was about this time, just before the bells, when the wind was at its worst, and we were all standing about, sadly saying, "'Och, we'll no be seeing Callum the night.' And just as we were raising a wee dram to his absence, a mighty squall rattled the windows and burst the door right off its hinges. And what do you know, Callum the skipper was standing there, cap lashed tightly to his head, dripping wet, looking about as happy as we'd ever seen him. Ah well, you can guess. We all cheered and got him a dram, and he stood by the bar just there, a bit stiff and a bit off, but... It must have been a hell of a journey in that weather, so we let him have his drink and regain himself a bit. But my, he was so wet, he didn't stop dripping the whole time. Seaweed in his pockets and everything. He told us the story of his journey, how his engine had stopped working halfway over, and how he had to row the rest. But he seemed all right, and for that we were all grateful. When it was time for the bells, we all piled out onto the pier, as we'll be doing tonight, And hopefully like that night, the weather will clear up a little and the storm will be on its way. And so the bells came in. But instead of the usual handshakes and passing around the bottle, the strangest feeling fell over us all. In the dark, we could see Callum, standing tall and straight, looking awful like a young fella again. But he didn't come over and shake hands like other years. Instead... He stood at the edge of the steps on the pier, and in Gaelic said, Well, goodbye, boys, and many happy years to every one of you. Blessings rest with you. And then, as we all bade him safe travels and a happy new year, he climbed down the stairs to where his boat must have been moored. Well, we all felt a strange cold and fright, but we grasped each other's hands and wished happy new years and finally passed the bottle around between us. But, you know, for the first time ever, and first time since, none of us, not one, fancied first footing that night, and we all just went home afterwards. Home to our beds, to the warmth, to the new year. It wasn't until two days later that we heard Callum's body had been found washed ashore, his hat still tightly lashed to his head, his pockets full of seaweed, his wee boat gone forever later on when we were talking about it. It was the strangest thing. None of us could remember touching him at all. Not even a pat on the back to welcome him in. And the barkeep swore when he cleaned up after us all that night not a drop of water was to be seen on the floor where Callum the skipper had been standing. And the queer way he left us too. His last words, not his usual farewell that we heard every year. Aye, it made us all shiver to our spines so it did. Now tell me this, Jamesy boy, did Callum come to us before he was drowned, or afterwards to keep his promise? The whole room was dead silent. Big Donald filled his glass and raised it. All there had a dram for Callum the skipper, before ringing in the bells and welcoming the new year. So what do you think, Annie? Wonderful enough?
0: Oh, Jenny! What a tragic tale!
2: Callum the skipper.
0: Fortunately, to follow that, I've got an absolutely terrifying story. But first, <laughs> let's have a tiny advert before I scare you silly with my nightmare before Hogmanay. Go. Gua- <laughs> I have a great fun Hogmanay ghost story to send shivers down your spine while the weather is chilly. It's from a local newspaper, the Glasgow Weekly Herald in 1866. And I've reworded it slightly for the modern era, but I've tried to keep as much of the original as possible. Truly, never read anything like it before.
2: And it has been a while since you've taken us deep into a local newspaper to find some ghosts.
0: Yes, Jenny, this is my Christmas present to myself. Doing some stretching, getting ready. Okay. Ready to be terrified. Remember, listeners, this is 1866. Many years ago, I remember spending a remarkable Hogmanay evening at a warm, cosy fireside in a farmhouse in the south of Scotland, Willie Baird the farmer belonged to an old school of sheep farmers which is now fast dying out. His steading stands away up amongst the hills past where the river Nith winds its crystal pure waters around the glens. Now, dear listeners, imagine we are walking to his house. It is late in the afternoon on the last day of the year and the air is clear and frosty with just a slight sprinkling of snow covering the ground. It is the perfect night to send the blood tingling with a pleasant walk through the hills. We've come to cross the River Nith and walk up a footpath that follows it along, sometimes going up the steep side of a hill and sometimes descending to the very bed of the river. It's a lovely walk yet eerie with all of the ghost stories There's the minister's pool, a place where tradition tells us it is haunted by a dark shadow, waving the black gown and clavicle bands of a man of the church. This minister's ghost sits on a large stone, contemplating the mossy waters. It's said that this is the place where the minister was murdered by an evil spirit, perhaps decades or centuries ago, and yet his ghost remains. We can see the moon shining into the centre of the pool tonight, and there's a rim of ice. It glitters like a necklace of jewels, but we do not want to linger here admiring it. No, not when the ghost of the minister could return any minute. So on we walk quickly to a place called the Maiden's Well, where the ghost of a young woman with bloody hair mourns her own tragic love story. Her spectre is white, and when we lay our eyes upon it it is heartbreaking, drifting amongst the birch trees that surround the pools. Further on we travel, and we are almost within a mile of Willie Baird's farmhouse, and here, right before us, is the worst place of them all. The awful and mysterious Devil's Dungeon. The streamlet at this point tumbles over into a waterfall, A deep gully of black rocks. Its waters struggle and boil till they emerge in a restless state. All foam and bubbles. The stream penetrates through a deep glen here, and we can look upon it. But we have been warned about this place because Willie Baird had a dreadful supernatural experience here one Hogmanay night at this very spot. Let's hope he will tell us the story. And finally, after all of this walking, we make it to our destination. Two sheepdogs run out and greet us. They fawn at us in an eloquent welcome. The door creaks open to the smiling face of Mrs. Bayard and her daughters, who are in a great flurry of preparations for bringing in the Hogmanay cheer. They take our coats and they set the table, which looks as though it could feed all the people of the parish we are excited for the evening ahead. We feel the jolly spirit of Hogmanay take hold of us, and suddenly we are all feeling youthful and merry in our hearts, no matter how many years we are carrying. All of the farm servants who normally eat out in their bothy are brought into the house. That is except the boys, Rab and Tam. They've gone to town on a private errand of their own. We look at each other knowingly, suspecting that they are fetching more whiskey, though there is a very big bellied bottle awaiting us on the table. It is shared quickly. The farmer, Willie Baird, is in buoyant spirits, and his wife takes joy in the quips and charades and pranks that we all partake in. After songs and stories and even a little dance... We all sit down to await the arrival of the new year and welcome it in. According to the ancient custom, each glass is filled, but they will remain untouched till the clock in the lobby has struck the last stroke of the long hour. And then, when it is a quarter to midnight, the farmer's oldest daughter, Mary, tells him that we must finish this year off ...by hearing his ghost story about the Devil's Dungeon. And so, with a deep breath, Willie Baird tells his tale. It was 25 years ago this very night... ...yet he remembers it as though it had just happened. His darling wife had sent him to the town... ...to make some extra purchases for the new year. She gave him a strong caution, though, to be home early... But he forgot to take her good advice after he bumped into an old acquaintance, Bailey Simpson, and the two ended up going to the pub for a little dram, or more than a little dram. And then, being in the pub, friends dropped in who Willie Baird had not seen for months, and so they all had good cheer and good crack together. It felt like barely any time had gone past at all. And then Willie realized he’d been caught up in the frolics and it was nearly 10 o’clock. Now, he would be in big trouble if he was not home before the new year came in, and so Willie sprang up and threw on his plaid around his shoulders and said good night to all. In the pocket of his plaid he carried home the purchases that he had been told to collect by his wife. There was frost on the ground, but no moon to guide Willie. And as we have just done the walk to his house, we know that he has quite far to go into the hills. Nevertheless, he marched homeward for the first few miles, feeling as light and merry as a bird. It is true, he may have felt something of a little fog in his head, as though he needed to concentrate a little bit too hard on where he was putting his feet. However, pleasant thoughts were always at the surface of his mind. And so he sang a little song. It had been a good night he had seen friends he had drank whiskey. He passed the minister's pool and the maiden's well, and he reminded himself of the old phrase, take of the spirits and you will see the spirits, which feels like a brilliant drunkman's saying for when you're walking through a haunted landscape. It was swiftly approaching midnight, and Willie Baird began to worry that he was not yet past the Devil's Dungeon, and he was wishing very much that he was at home, in his armchair by the fire. Well, he reached the top of the hill, the place that overlooked the stumpy waterfall, and there, when he looked down, in a moment he was spellbound by a horrible vision. There were three black stones that surround the pool, that the waterfall feeds, and what he saw was three spectres, completely skeletal, one on each stone. And then, just at the top of the waterfall, where a stream breaks over the rocks into a cascading black sheet, there stood another ghost, their leader, this one also pure bones, wearing a white robe that seemed to float in the air as though it had no legs and the skeleton raised its arm and waved to poor Willie. It looked as though the skeleton was giving some horrible instructions to its fellow ghosts, perhaps teaching them some wicked spell. Though there was not a moon to light up the scene, there was enough starlight to illuminate these wicked forms. Each ghost had a skull that was split wide open as though the human head had been cracked open like a cockle shell, and in the centre of each skull there was a small burning candle. It shed an uncanny light, with deep shadows over those white rags that these skeleton ghosts were draped in. Willie Baird's heart stood still as he looked upon this gruesome sight, growing painfully aware that he was in the midst of an awful stillness. The three specters on the stones sat perfectly motionless, but the one standing over the top of them continued to gesticulate with his arms and the two halves of his skull clicking together, all the while the candle within could be seen shining through the eye and nose holes of his skull. At last, all of the specters looked over to Willy, and he heard a sound. They began to repeat the words to him. It's you, Willy Beard. It's
2: you, Willy Beard. It's, 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 it's you, Willy Beard.
0: This was too much for Willy Beard to stand, and it quickly awoke him from his trance of fear. He ran as fast as his legs could carry him, and the spectres darted up and followed him. All of the time, they were cackling and croaking the same words. It's, it's you, you Willy, Willy Beard!
2: It's, it's you, you Willy, Willy Willy beer.
0: Beer. They circled round him, chanting and taunting, faster and faster, getting so close that they could almost touch him. Willie was getting exhausted, but as his breath began to fail, his courage revived, and he felt a small spark of relief as he saw the lights of his home up ahead of him, yet the awful spectres spun round him, their leader swooped so close to him that it could almost kiss his face with its bony skull. Willy summoned all of his strength and he gave out a very strong puff of air from his lungs. This blew out the flame inside the skeleton's cockle split skull. And as this flame went out, the skeleton let out a great wailing shriek. Oh and it dissolved into the darkness and so Willy turned upon the other three specters and one at a time he blew out each of their candles until they were also extinguished and each of them vanished with a scream so spine chilling it could have come from hell itself there's three of them Jenny And then the ghosts were gone. Never was any mortal man more relieved than Willie when he found himself alone in the glen outside his house without any unhallowed skeleton ghosts following him. His wife opened the door and his loyal dogs ran out to him. Willie still had white eyes as though he had seen death itself. And felt cold sweat dripping down his face. And at this moment, the old clock began to strike 12. And suddenly, dear listeners, we are back in the farmhouse with Willie, relieved that his story from 25 years past is over. And we look over and our clock chimes for midnight. Willie reassures us that he has walked that path a thousand times since and he has never again seen the cloven skulls of Devil's Dungeon. Yet he has never dared to leave his home on Hogmanay night. And so he raises a glass to us all because our new year is just beginning. But as Willie puts the glass to his lips, he happens to turn his chair so that his eyes fall upon the window. "'which is slightly open. "'The glass in his hand falls in an instant, "'and he jumps to his feet and exclaims, "'There! There!' "'Pointing and terrified, looking at the window. "'We gather round him, and our screams come fast and thick. "'Our eyes are riveted on the window also, standing outside, we can see the exact shape that willy has just described a skull splitting to as though it had been cut with an axe and inside this cut there's a candle gleaming through the eye holes it is dressed in a robe of white rags and it is terrifying and there's a grotesque voice coming from the ghost that repeats the words it's you willy
2: beard it's you willy beard
0: The bravest amongst us slips out the door to blow out the light in these skulls. We know this needs to be done. I'm afraid it will need to be you who does this, dear listener, because I am scared frozen. However, as you slowly approach this horrifying sight, you're suddenly extremely relieved. At the sight of Rab and Tam who have returned from town, they had carved out a turnip and put a candle inside it and then draped a sheet over a broom. You little rascals, Robin Tam, you had me! (laughs) You had me! And this had been their Hogmanay prank. (laughs) As everyone realises that these youngsters have taken advantage of a very popular Hogmanay spooky story to have a little joke for themselves, we all laugh. Eventually, Rab and Tam beg forgiveness, and Willie pours them a wee glass of whiskey, and the night goes on. The turnips are brought in and burn proudly on the table. And though it was all fun and games and we are smiling and laughing now, if you ever find yourself in Kirkconnell on Hogmanay night, Willie Baird will always warn you to stay home and safe lest you meet the ghosts of the devil's dungeon
2: wow what do you think that story jenny yeah i mean that was wild that was a wild ride and they got me with the turnips i genuinely got got <laughs> <laughs> when i read this story i thought
0: oh my this is a blessing it has everything <laughs> it has Hogmanay. it has ghosts and it has turnips There was nothing more I could ask
2: for. (laughs) And with that, dear listeners, we wish you a wonderful Hogmanay, free of ghosts of any and all variety. If you would like to support our show, please do consider joining our Patreon, which is linked in the episode description. Otherwise, tell your friends, family and ghosts all about this little show, as the exposure helps us grow. Thank you for supporting us this year and we can't wait to see what 2024 brings. You know what? I hope it
0: brings more cockle shell skeletons. I don't at all. <laughs> <laughs> we wish you all of the blessings for the new year, health, warmth and happiness. Until next time, Slangeva.
2: Slanjeva.